prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is The Legend of Retro. Welcome to The Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, Xander. Xander, great to have you on the show with me as... Thanks for having me, Craig. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. And, it means uh, a lot that you can make it. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Trap. Yeah, so <laughs> Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap, was released by West One for the Sega Master System in 1989. This exploratory action-adventure platformer stars Wonder Boy as he must search for a way to remove his curse after defeating the Mecha Dragon. Mecha Dragon. Uh, is it weird to you that we're doing almost the exact same thing two weeks in a row? It's an exploratory game uh-huh. that begins with the ending to the previous game. Uh-huh. It's weird, right? Yeah. Hmm. It's almost like we planned it. Almost. Did you plan it? No. I didn't either. I just looked through the list of games and saw games that uh, only you and I had mentioned that we wanted to do. Yeah, that, that's pretty much how it went. <laughs> it just worked out. It did. So, Xander, would you like to talk about the history of the Wonder Boy series before we get into the game itself? I sure would. A I bit of a history that. lesson. <laughs> so, this series might have the most confusing naming scheme of any game series I've ever we've ever come across. Worse than Joe and Mac? Oh, Actually, maybe. This is a contender. Lay it on me. So, first what about off... the Final Fantasy games with their weird numbering? Uh, in America, I would say... I, I feel like this is somehow worse in its own way. Okay. So, these games, the Wonder Boy series, uh-huh. start off with Wonder Boy. Okay. Easy, right? Yeah. The sequel is... Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Uh-huh. The third is Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap. Uh-huh. And the fourth is Monster World 4. Okay. Each one just goes in a different direction. Now, you forgot Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Well, that's the, uh, like, a newer, newer game, right? Yeah, but it's still in the in the series. It's weird that he goes from Wonder Boy to Monster Boy. Yes, that is weird. Now that you're mentioning it, uh, so the other kind of uh, uh, weird history here is uh, Wonder Boy originally started off, uh, and it was this you know like blonde cave boy mm-hmm. who. Uh, didn't explore a world filled with like you know monsters and knights and sorcery and stuff and collect gold and buy stuff you run to the right and you collect food fruits and stuff because if you don't do that you're gonna die right 
which probably sounds an awful lot like Adventure Island, right? Yeah. Well, that's because the people who did Adventure Island originally did Wonder Boy, and they wanted to do Wonder Boy on uh, uh, another system, uh, the Nintendo, and they didn't have the rights to use Wonder Boy. So they basically just made Master Higgins at Adventure Island. <laughs> and over on West One side, they were like, what? They just basically copied the formula. Whatever. We don't need that stupid formula anyway. We don't need it where we're going. Yeah. And it got altered into this weird adventure style game. Yeah. That's, uh, I think I remember recently seeing like play of the original wonder boy and i was like wait a second this is adventure island isn't it <laughs> it's technically before adventure island though it, it is uh uh wonder boy is the the grandfather of adventure island and it's strange that adventure island went on and kept doing its own thing mm -hmm. but the weirdest thing to me is that eventually adventure island once again tried to capitalize on them because super adventure island 2 came out and it's like an adventure game, like Wonder Boy and Monster World. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, that's that's really, really weird. Yeah, it's a, a very odd, convoluted kind of backstory to this game series. But specifically today, we're talking about the third one, mm -hmm. uh, The Dragon's Trap. But not, not Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair. Wonder Boy 3 The Dragon's Trap. Yeah, I think uh, Monster's Lair was the arcade-only yeah. <laughs> game, which basically was this game. Yeah, it's still uh, confusing. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> yeah, very confusing. So um, I actually had never even heard of this series until the Switch came out and the remake, or rather, the remaster of this game was announced. And I was looking for more games to get for my Switch. I thought this artwork looks great. I think I'm going to buy this. And I did, and I fell in love with this game. The port, the remaster, is, to me, does something that all other remasters should. At the press of a button, you can change the music to the original, uh, uh, what was it, Game Gear version, Master mm -hmm. System version or whatever. Yeah, and in the... In the, in the uh, the remaster, when you switch it to the switch the music, it it sounds an awful lot like the Game Gear version instead of the Master System. And there's also a button you can press where it changes the graphics style mm -hmm. to the old Master System. I yeah. Add. Oh yeah, no load time, anything. It I I almost want to argue that it's probably the best remaster of a game ever. Not that it's necessarily like a contender for best game ever, but just the, what they did. Yeah. Or that remaster is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I actually booted up and played a little bit of it again last night. Uh-huh. It's so good. Like, it, it's insane how how easily, like I said, just seamlessly how you press the button and it's just like, it's like a quick, like, white fade goes across the screen and then you're playing the, the Master System version and it's without skipping a beat. It's crazy. It doesn't... Surprised me, though, Xander, that uh, uh, you had never really heard of the game before. Uh, in America, the Master System was not especially popular. Right. And uh, as far as that goes, honestly, I had never played the game or really heard of it much until uh, uh, the Wii, ver or the, not the Wii version, but the, the version on the virtual console for the Wii came out. Uh, because there was a port that made it to the, I think it's the Sega Genesis version. 
Mm-hmm. I think. No, yeah, the, it's the TurboGrafx-16 version. Uh, there was Wonder Boy and Monster World that made it to Virtual Console. Monster Lair made it to Virtual Console. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the different Wonder Boy eventually made it to Wii Virtual Console. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be crazy, but I believe uh, uh, Monster World 3 and the Dragon's Trap uh, was originally for Master System, ported to Game Gear, and then also ported to the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah, I and I that. think that's the version we got on gotcha. the Wii's Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. So I did play it uh, there first, and yeah, it's fun. It's it's this game is even without the remaster, like just the old Master System version. The Game Gear has a little bit of confined real estate, screen real estate, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so it's a little tougher to recommend that one. Uh, though if you're a big fan of the Game Gear, then I absolutely track this down. Uh, because, yeah, this game is so fun. Yep. I feel like the... Like, for its time, 1989, there weren't a lot of exploratory games like this. There was, like, Metroid. Yeah. That's about all that comes to mind. And I feel like this this game did it a little bit better than the original Metroid. Well, the original Metroid is is sometimes a little hard to figure out where you're at. You know, a lot of the areas look very similar. But this game's so bright and colorful and all the different areas are so distinct that, yeah, yeah you know, it's, 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 it's a lot smoother of a game than Metroid, I would at least say. Yeah. And the, the paths you take are, are fairly linear. There are some that kind of branch out as opposed to metroid having like those very tall vertical screens with like multiple doors so it's hard to keep track of which way you're going yeah this game is is pretty open but yeah there is a certain amount of linearity to it where you know once you start heading in a direction like the desert or whatever you're gonna get to the pyramid you know that that there's there's not a ton of branching paths there might be a few little secrets here and there but by and by yeah it's it's you know pretty pretty much on the straight and narrow course to your destination, you know, and the gimmick of the game is that, yeah, you travel around and uh, essentially go through different dungeons and stuff uh, in different areas. So there's like a a water area, there's a uh, desert uh, forest. uh, What else is there? There's the beach. Yeah. The water area of the beach. And then there's like the underground, right? I I more recently played uh, Monster Boy or Wonder Boy and Monster World, whatever the most recent one to come out. So I, I might kind of mix up with that game. Oh, because gotcha, they are gotcha. very similar. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, all of the games in the series after the first Wonder Boy game, yeah, are are pretty pretty similar. You know, you you travel around, you get gold. You buy equipment, potions, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, as a a brief side note, uh, not that there's much to say, but we can talk about the plot. Yeah, so you uh, start out in the castle and you take out the Mecha Dragon and then you you get cursed as a lizard man. Uh Uh-huh. And then you're just trying to continually fight these other dragons and you keep getting cursed with new forms and you're trying to get back to the, uh, the dragon to undo the curse. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that leads to probably one of the more interesting elements of this game that 
I, I feel like don't get used often enough in, in gaming, like different forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with, with games like this, like exploratory games. Uh, yeah, you can turn, you well, you are forcibly turned into this lizard man and you don't swing a sword or anything. At that point, you breathe fire. Right. So you have a projectile, uh, but you can turn it into a piranha man and you eventually get the ability to go underwater and like, you know, move around there and not have to, you know, worry about breathing and stuff. Well, I think all the different forms allow you to go underwater, but the fish man allows you to actually like move quickly quickly and, and uh, advance into higher areas. I don't think the hawk man, at least in the original version, can go in the water. Right. I think he maybe takes damage. I don't remember now. Or maybe he just floats the entire time. That could be. I don't remember. Again, I'm I'm mixing it up with uh, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, so <laughs> which kind uh, of follows the yeah. same same thing. You get cursed with different forms. <laughs> uh, let's see what else was there. There's the Rat Man form, mm-hmm. Mouse Man, whatever, where yeah. you can like climb up walls and stuff. And I want to say, is it is it a is it a lion or is it a lion? Yeah. Yeah, you get the uh, lion form, and then of course we mentioned the hawk form. Uh, the lion form is kind of neat because it's uh, you're just super strong. You're you yeah. can like swing your sword, I think downwards while you're jumping. It gives you just more combat options. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't remember using the hawkman form much outside of just exploring and flying around. Yeah, you get the hawkman form um, in the I believe it's in the middle of the final the final dungeon. And then you can like backtrack and, and unlock all the different things. But I think you get the Hawkman form right pretty late. End. Yeah. That that sounds about right. I mean, let's face it, flying is is basically gonna break most games. Yeah. Certainly old retro games. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Xander, what uh, what would you say is your favorite of the forms? I really like the the mouse form. Oh, do you? Yes. Just the the small quick movement and all of the uh, like the wall walking, like all the puzzles and stuff that involve that. I I thought those were the most intriguing. I'm always going to be a fan of the the big beefy lion <laughs> form as well, uh-huh. but I think my overall favorite <clears throat> is the mouse form. I I don't think it's especially powerful or anything like that, but I do really enjoy the lizard form. Of course you do. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> something charming about turning into a lizard man and breathing fire. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just my aesthetics, but I greatly enjoy that. You know, there's, there's something charming about the cold, unfeeling lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad you see my point. Yep. <laughs> really not surprised that you took to the lizard person. Yeah, probably not. What, uh, I, what's your, your, your criteria for picking Pokemon in every new game? They have to be the lizard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That's that's fair. Uh so yeah, the the game is you go around, you collect gold, you explore, you find gear. Uh you know, like you said, it's it's fairly linear in the path you take, but it's such a big wide open area, you know, that you can kind of play around with walking around and exploring that it, it's just really interesting to me for, for a, a game from 1989 to pull that off. And yeah, Metroid had done it before, of course. You know, I don't want to you know, look yeah. down upon Metroid by any stretch of the imagination. But it's yeah, for how it did it so well in the sense that like, it could come out again in 2017 to a whole new audience and feel like a game that was made more recently. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, 
because the 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 crazy thing to me is they didn't really change a whole heck of a lot for yeah. the remaster. Yeah, it's, it's literally just a a graphic overhaul, and the music is is rearranged. Yeah, but yeah, like, that's pretty much it. Being able to switch from the 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 hand drawn art style to the the retro graphics, you really see like, oh no, these mechanics were in place, and the, all we did was literally give it a facelift. Yeah, the it's interesting because in America, the Sega Master System, well, I sh- I should specify in North America the master system specifically in America was not any big deal like not as many people had it it definitely was not winning the console war against Nintendo back then you know the Sega Genesis started to pull out all the stops in uh, uh, you know uh, the US but what's kind of crazy to me is how big the master system was in other places of the world, mm-hmm. specifically South America. Brazil apparently loved the Master System, partly because I think the when the Sega Genesis and you know other systems were coming out, they were just so expensive. You know, they because of like uh, uh, tariffs and you know import fees and stuff, those systems were an arm and a leg, and so. Uh, the master system hung on in like South America, specifically Brazil until like the mid to late Mm nineties, which is insane. And uh, another kind of interesting thing is the, uh, when they brought wonder boy three, the dragon's trap to uh, Brazil, uh, they, I don't remember the name of the comic, but there is a like a comic uh, uh, series uh, that's Portuguese that's really big in Brazil. It's like stars all these like kids. They just took those characters and slapped them into this game. Huh. And so like when you transform, you don't transform into like dragons or I'm sorry, lizards and you know hawk people and lion men. You turn into the different characters from that series. Strange, right? So, like, I, I, I've not seen pictures of it in action, but oh, Monica, I can only presume Monica's that it's just... the name of the comic. What's that? Monica's Gang is the name of the comic. Yes, that was it. Monica's Gang. Uh, I had never really heard of it before, but when I saw a picture of the comic, the art style looked kind of familiar. Maybe I've seen something online with those characters, it, a meme or it something. Almost, it almost looks like a knockoff family circus. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, it, it has that sort of, uh, maybe not necessarily in context while you're reading it or whatever. I don't know much about the series. All I know is that they stole those characters and slapped them into a Monster Boy game. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, there's something really funny to me. And I'm sure they altered more than just the, the characters themselves. But I just imagine you turn into this little boy and you start spitting fire as the lizard. Yeah, it's it's. I'm looking at, at a, a screen comparison of the uh, Wonder Boy and Monster World versus Monica's Gang, uh, Terra Dos Monstros, <laughs> Ooh. and it looks like there's like such insane detail on the Wonder Boy, and then it looks almost <laughs> like a stick figure drawing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a weird, <laughs> like there's so much detail. And then all of a sudden, here's this like crudely drawn. That's so weird looking. 
<laughs> That's yeah, great. If you, if you can look up <laughs> this uh, Terra dos Monstros compared to Wonder Boy in Monster World, it's really strange. Yeah, the uh, the uh, the fact that they took a popular comic series and slapped it over Monster Boy in uh, uh, Brazil is really weird to me. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, the the imagine like Super Mario RPG, right? You think uh-huh. of that classic. Uh, the sword going through the castle like that backdrop and Mario looking at it. Yeah. Imagine that, that image from Mario RPG, but instead of Mario from Mario RPG, it's that Mario paint drawing of Mario of Mario, you know, like the one where you like, he's riding Yoshi and it's all very like one dimensionally. There's no shading. Uh-huh. And that's what this looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you have this dragon that's got this insane detail. And then this, it's so weird looking. <laughs> that's that right. makes me want to play those versions just to see how weird it gets <laughs> as you change characters. I, I, I will say that does lead me to, to something else I want to bring up. Uh, once again, for Master System, this game is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a, a game that was out with, you know, Nintendo titles, and it's so bright and colorful. And yeah, they, they did an awesome job uh, with the art and stuff. You know, and, and yeah, the remaster, of course, is, has prettied everything up. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely a, a charm to be had for the old sprite, uh, uh, sprite drawings and stuff. Yeah. Though I will say, uh, the box art for the Master System version in America, eh, not quite as good. Pretty lame. Yeah, it's pretty terrible looking. Uh, and it doesn't even look like uh, Wonder Boy. It's like this guy in green boots and green hair. You know, and it's the monsters on the cover art don't look too shabby, but they don't look that great. And the main character looks real dopey. Yeah, it's a really weird. It's not even like the original Mega Man box art charming. It's just you're not even sure if the person who who drew this had even seen the game. Yeah, I guess the snakes kind of look like the snakes in the game. Yeah. Kinda. The lizard man sort of does, but I guess they thought, oh, if this guy turns into a lizard man, he must be green. I suppose, but why is the lizard man and Wonder Boy on the box art at the same time? So that you could sell the fact that you're a lizard man, I guess. I suppose. I mean, it would work on It's me. not like you fight that lizard man at any point in the game. No, you don't. And the Master System games always have that weird white checkered background all of their titles yeah like a fighting game training level (laughs) yeah it really is that's what it always makes me think of so bizarre yeah i it's i mean don't let the box art turn you away it's it's a it's a lot of fun the mechanics are like i was surprised how well the the wall running mechanics worked given the fact that this was from 1989 oh yeah they're great never feels clunky it's it's insane how well it translates. Yeah, the the controls are are super tight. The you know the I feel like this is also 
you know, and, and I, I feel like this might turn a few people away uh, if I put it this way, but I almost feel like this is a good introductory Metroidvania exploratory game, maybe for somebody younger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something like Metroid, Super <clears throat> Metroid. Yeah, Super Metroid is a phenomenal game, a classic. Symphony of the Night, wonderful, amazing, great games, but they're big. They're yeah. big. They're sometimes a little confusing. Something like this is a lot better for someone younger. So if you have someone who is on the younger side who's interested in that style of game or would like you would like to introduce them to that, right. I, I do think that this is a, uh, a solid contender for that. Especially the uh, the remaster. The, oh, the, sure. The graphics looking as as bright and friendly as they do. Like, that's that's an excellent way to, to introduce kids to the Metroidvania-style type game. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. The The original Domi Wrong has some, some you know, uh, you know, just, it, it's just fun and it good looks on its own. Yeah. If you're trying to introduce a, like, for example, if I were to introduce my daughter to the to this game, like, I wouldn't show her the Game Gear version until maybe she's a little more familiar with it. But the the cool hand-drawn animation, like, would probably be much more appealing to her than the old 8-bit graphics until... I think so, yeah. It's, I, I definitely love the old 8-bit graphics. You know, I'm a purist at heart. But I will say there is an immense charm to the hand-drawn art. I think it's very eye-catching. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, worth looking into, of course, uh, for, I mean, if not for yourself, then for, you know, someone younger who you're trying to get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have anything else to say in the main game before we jump into the music? You know I want to talk about that music. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just get right into it. Let's uh, take a quick break, listen to a word from our sponsor, and then we will talk about the music. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Whoa, so we're cheating a little bit. We're going to play uh, some from the Master System version. We're going to play a little bit from the Game Gear version. And then we're also going to play from the remastered version. So we have a couple composers to talk about here. Why don't you tell us about one of them? Yeah, so the music was originally composed by Shinichi Sakamoto, uh, who honestly has worked mostly on Japanese games like Star Paradier or Apare Gateball, uh, which is a game... I played recently, uh, well, watched a friend pr- uh, play more recently on the uh, mini Turbo Graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he's also worked on some more obscure games that came to America, like uh, Dungeon Explorer for Turbo Graphics 16, as well as Panic Bomber for the Virtual Boy. Panic Bomber. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> but his most well known American game, Sander? Uh-huh. You ready for this? Is it Adventure Island? No, that would be great. <laughs> that would be that'd be perfect. Uh no. It's Jaws for Nintendo. Yikes. Which is a bad game. But I will say I re-listened to the soundtrack just to, you know, refresh myself. Uh-huh. The soundtrack's not bad. 
Jaws has a decent soundtrack for the uh, NES. Didn't John Williams compose Jaws? Listen, Xander. No, he, uh, uh, Sakamoto took the main Jaws theme for like the title screen. Everything else is, uh, oh, okay. pretty much his own soundtrack. I, I think he uses the. Well, you can't have a, anything Jaws without that theme. Yeah, I think there's a, a rendition of that, uh, at some point, uh, in the, uh, the game. But aside from that, yeah, most of the, the rest of the stuff is his, and it's pretty good. Yeah. Sakamoto, uh, I mean, he also did a few of the other, uh, uh, you know, Wonder Boy uh, games. I think he did specifically uh, Wonder Boy in Monster World, the second game of the series. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the music for for not only the games in there, the the music for the series, but also just specifically this game is super fun and upbeat. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to to listen to it. Yes, uh, we also need to talk about um, Michael Geyer, who uh, rearranged the music for the uh, for the remaster. Since we're going to be playing at least one song from that, I wanted to to point out his incredible work in adapting the soundtrack for a uh, a more modern version of the game. Yeah, I have the remaster on vinyl. That's what I've been meaning to pick up. It's it's great. It's so good. Uh, I I the only downfall is that it doesn't also include like the the old Game Gear and Master System versions and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but a small price to pay. I think it's a, 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 you know, a really great soundtrack. Now, to tie the Wonder Boy series, since we've already kind of said that this is like two episodes in a row of uh, adventure games and all that, the most recent version of the game, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, shares a composer with Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. Oh, uh, Michiru uh, Yamane? Yep. Among four other uh, composers, uh, Michiru also used to work, or also worked on Monster Boy in uh, The Cursed Kingdom. Nice, so That's nice. not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about The Dragon's Trap. So the first song that we have is one that you chose, uh, is uh, Sidecrawler's Dance. This is the, uh, what, what area is this again? The beach water the beach. area. That's right. So uh, Sidecrawler's Dance. background melody kind of bleeds over the main melody so it's hard to, to kind of differentiate those two um i like both melodies so i can pick out both yeah 
but especially after having played through the remaster and hearing how that that gets arranged you can kind of hear hear how that would sound i don't know i don't want to say better but in a uh a more orchestrated kind of way yeah and it allows you to kind of put the 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 main melody up front and then the background melody in the back but uh, i i love this the the uh, the the ascending that that just constantly goes through the song i i really like yeah it's a fun song it's mm-hmm. it's it's very fitting for one of the first areas you you know will likely go to you know hopping around uh you know in the water area mm-hmm. uh the next song that we have is one of my choices this is uh the desert zone which is as you can guess the desert area this uh this particular version is from the game gear um and again every time i hear these i also think of the the remaster versions but i i really enjoy this uh, this version of the song as well crazy thing about the soundtrack that I, I never really thought about until like listening to it now is if you take into consideration the fact that this game was released in 1989 these are extremely long loops for stage music like oh absolutely even mario is like a what maybe a 30 second loop that goes and this is a minute 25 before it finally comes back around to to repeat itself yeah they did a uh, an awesome job with the uh, uh, soundtrack, it's you know kind of amazing what uh, Sakamoto was able to do. Mm-hmm. This song uh, gets in my head constantly, specifically the kind of the B section of this this song. Um, but nothing is nothing sticks in my head quite as much as the Monster Town theme. Um, and I specifically pick the uh, the remaster version of this song, which uh, arranged by Michael Geyer. I, I love this tune. And this arranged version of it is phenomenal. So we'll take a listen to that next.
just love the different instrumentation that comes in here. How you have the the flute kind of sound, the the mandolin. I'm pretty sure it's an accordion at some point. Yeah, the mandolin I think is maybe my favorite part. It really gives it that like old school fantasy very town folky. aesthetic. Yeah, very folky kind of sound. Yeah, it reminds me of like like when a fantasy movie is like panning through a city, there's always that like guy with like the green tri-corner hat that like with a red feather in it, like strumming on the lute. Mm-hmm. That is what it reminds me of. Yeah. I love that song so much. It get that. I whistle that more probably than most other songs. Like it's just a good, like everything's happy. Everything's all good kind of sound. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Uh, our next and final song that we're playing for you today is The Monster's Lair. This is from the Master System version. This is uh, from the, the final uh, area. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. put it right on the nose on the monster's lair um and i think what's makes it stand it a little bit more in the remaster is is they kind of tune it to each different level so you get the same song four or five different times based on how many levels there are but it's always a slightly different like if you're in the beach area it's going to have a little bit different of a sound than it would when you are in the forest and you know so yeah on and so forth but yeah this this soundtrack is so good <laughs> yeah it's great it is it is uh, uh an amazing soundtrack and you know the on Legend of Retro, you know we we haven't really done a ton of Master System games. I think the only other one we covered was uh, Alex uh, Kidd. Alex Kidd, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if we've covered any others, and I feel like that's kind of a shame because the Master System has some real solid hits, and you know, like to us, it's sort of a hidden gem. But obviously, Wonder Boy three. The Dragon's Trap is a huge game, mm-hmm. you know. It's just one that you and I missed out on when we were younger because we didn't have Master Systems. Yeah, I, I don't think I've, even to this day, ever actually played a Master System. It's It's got solid hits on it, you know. There, don't be wrong. Much like every video game system, there's definitely some stinkers. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, you know, just like Nintendo, there's some, you know, big solid hits on the system. Well, uh, uh, do you have any final thoughts on uh, the drag Monster Boy Three: The Dragon's Trap before we move on to Retro Relapse? Uh, yes, I do have uh, uh, one specific final thought that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, the the uh, shopkeeper in every shop 
is a pig with an eye patch. Mm-hmm. I love him. Did they add him smoking in the remaster, or was that something in the original? Uh, I think that was in the original Japanese version, which I think got edited out in other parts of the world. That makes sense. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be crazy, but I think that's the case. Yeah, he's in the uh, the remaster artwork, it looks like he's always just got a very thin cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth. I Yeah, I love how weird and goofy that is. Yeah. That pig is a, a playable character in the uh, uh, Wonder Boy, or rather Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. You get a Mag- pig form, and that's what you, you play as that character. Magnificent. Yeah. Uh, Sander, what are your other, final thoughts? My only final thoughts is something that we touched on earlier is like this is an, an excellent introductory, introductory uh, Metroidvania game for those who uh, maybe are on the younger side. So uh, if you have not yet played it, the, the remaster is available on, I believe, all current-gen systems as well as PC. So definitely it's worth checking out. Xander, would you like to uh, jump on into our retro relapse now? Would I? I thought you'd never ask. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. For Retro Relapse, we chose, and by we, I mean I, chose Harley's Humongous Adventure for the SNES. Have you ever played this before? Much like last week, uh, I have a confession. Yes, I have played this game before. Uh, I rented this as a kid a, a few times. Me too. I played this a lot as a kid. And as I uh, played it to kind of refresh myself for Retro Relapse, I don't know what I saw in this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a de- it's a decent platformer, but uh, I definitely uh, remember it being much better than it actually is. Yeah, I think there is definitely some uh, uh, nostalgia glasses on there because Harley's Humongous Adventure is just okay. It was uh, released in this, for the Super Nintendo in February of 1993 by Visual Concepts. Uh, it was eventually funded by uh, Electronic Arts, but was event- was published by High Tech Expressions. Uh, and you take control of Harley, who is a scientist, I guess. <laughs> The, uh-huh. the game doesn't really tell you, uh, who shrunk yourself down to the size of a bar of soap, it claims, and uh, he has to gather the parts for his shrinking machine to return himself to normal size. I think the one of the things that this game does have going for it, though, is the uh, uh, the kind of the weird mix of pixel art and the digitized clay animation. Yeah. So... Uh, the same company that did the animation for Claymates. Oh, yeah? AOK Animation uh, did Harley's Humongous Adventure. I, I noticed the, 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 the clay animation sprites and stuff, but I didn't know it was the same people who did Claymates. Yeah, it was the same, uh, uh, same people. They, uh, they did the both. Uh, which, you know, I mean, the, the, the clay animation looks really cool. You know, yeah. it looks interesting. Uh, but most of the actual gameplay, eh, it's okay. Uh, you get a back uh, or a jet pack, which is kind of neat. We don't get that right away, do you? I don't think so. I went through the first, I think, like four levels, and I didn't. I rode in a tank, but I never had my jet pack. Yeah, you eventually get the jet pack, uh, and uh, and that's kind of neat. You know, it's it, there's not a lot of uh, platformer games that give you a jet pack. Yeah, I remember renting this and f- 
completing the game. Like my brother, I think my brother rented it the first time and we played through and then I rented it a second time without him knowing that I had rented it. Uh-huh. And I finished the game and I was so excited. I put a, I put a piece of paper over my Super Nintendo um, so that he wouldn't know what game it was. So I could bring him into the room when he got home. I'd be, hey, check this out. And I'd show him that I beat it and that my name was on the high score thing. And I remember showing him and he just didn't care. He's like, okay, so? And I was heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. I know. <laughs> I... So yeah, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the game itself. So you, it, much like uh, uh, Mario 3's giant world or whatever, mm-hmm. big world, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the perspective of this game is similar to that of like uh, that or uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, where everything is shrunk down. Well, and, you're shrunk down. Everything else is normal size. Well, right, 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 right. So, uh, so you know, you you go through like you know lakes that are kitchen sinks, right? And you know, like lab equipment, which is enormous and huge and whatnot. Uh, toy rooms and you know, tons of stuff. And uh, and I think that's uh, uh, always a really interesting, you know, kind of uh, perspective to play on for games yeah. because. It's very imaginative. Although I'd hate to find the the actual pantry where the cans of food just are constantly opening and closing on their own. Yeah, that's the... Uh, I mean, that's got some botulism in it. There's no yeah. way it doesn't. <laughs> You're not going to trust that can of SpaghettiOs, that's for sure. No, absolutely not. Or I think it's called hot stuff in this game. Well, I don't know that I would trust any can of SpaghettiOs, to be 100% honest with you. Not even the Star Wars ones? Not even the Star Wars ones. They got Chewbacca on them. Franco-America can kiss my <laughs> butt. You're more of a Chef Boyardee guy, aren't you? <laughs> Neither, honestly. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I loved them. Uh, Chef Boyardee and, and uh, Franco-America's stuff. And then when I uh, uh, first moved out, I was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of SpaghettiOs because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bachelor. I, yeah, this is fine for me. And I bought, like, one can, and I was like, this is atrocious. Why did I ever enjoy this? Uh, I was at a, a friend's house, and he was uh, he's like, oh, we should, we should have SpaghettiOs for lunch. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And he just, like, opened the can and dumped it in a bowl and started eating them. I was like, what? Are you? you can do that? What a and monster! I know, but I started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I like my you spaghetti hot me. or cold. It doesn't matter to me. Just open you the just... can, get yourself a fork. You're good to go, my friend. Ugh, you disgust <laughs> me. I'd rather die. Uh, so what do you give Harley's humongous adventure on the 8-bit scale there, Craig? I, I Like an even 4 out of 8. It's not bad. It's not great. It's yeah. so middle of the road. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, especially after I like I said, I played through like four or five levels. There was never a point where I'm like, this is dumb and I hate it, but it was there were certainly moments like, why did I like this so much when I was younger? Because <laughs> <laughs> as far as platformers go, especially on the SNES, it's nothing special. Well the Super Nintendo had so many good platformers and yeah, this is just kind of a yeah. One of those dime a dozen games, you know, the the those platformers they were churning out just all the time. This is just another one. It's just yeah. okay. Well, at least it's better than anything the glitch would throw at us. That is true. 
it, it is very rare we get anything good out of the glitch. And it's usually, usually very begrudging when he does give us something good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll jump into our bracket for this week, uh, which coincidentally enough, we've brought up our last week episode quite a bit, but uh, our first song in the stage theme bracket is Castlevania three, the beginning, which is composed by Hidenori Mezawa, Jun Funahashi, Yuki Morimoto and Yoshinori Sasaki. Uh, this song has been in our brackets before, I believe for uh, best NES music. And as a strong contender, it's something that I feel could go pretty far in this bracket. But we'll uh, we will check out the beginning here from Castlevania Three. song is so good the song itself is so good it is an amazing song i just love the the just like kicking the door open kind of sound of that knock knock dracula (laughs) shut up and jam dracula (laughs) oh wait that was last week (laughs) Uh, but that's going to go up against green hill zone from sonic the hedgehog the original uh, composed by masato nakamura uh, who just is brilliant just a incredible composer i wish he did more games but i'll I'll just stick with these two uh, sonic hedgehog games so uh anyway here is green hill zone <laughs> let that one play through twice but it's just so good <laughs> it's such an amazing song i uh honestly this is a really tough uh matchup and i you know i'm always talking about how they're always tough because i'm such a big fan of you know game music and stuff mm-hmm. but this week's case is one of those where it's like oh just don't know what to do yet yeah i this is this is very tough 
Yeah, I, I just uh, love. I love how I mean, Masato Nakamura was the basis for Dreams Come True, and you can tell in all the Sonic stuff just of how funky the music is that he just really just put all his all into it, and it's I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and another thing must be said, like the the soundtrack to Castlevania Three is amazing. You know, but it was done by what four people? Mm-hmm. This is all done by one person who sent in demo tapes, essentially, and somebody had to be like, all right, I guess I'll figure out how to put it into the game. I mean, one of those guys, or one of the people from uh, Castlevania 3 may have just done that one song. and We, we don't know. It's, it's, True. it's not like we, they have these in-depth, like, this person worked on this song. So it could have been one dude. We never know. That, yeah, that's fair. That's but we do fair. know for Sonic the Hedgehog that it was one kind of two if you count the guy who had to put it then into the game yeah it's regardless of of what choice you make though there are four different ways to vote you have the our facebook page our twitter account if you go to gamezillamedia.com you can find our discord link there uh every week on the discord we have the vote there as well and for all our members of Patreon, you get an extra vote there as well. So if you go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, you're going to be able to sign up for as low as $1 to get an extra vote in our uh, uh, brackets every week. But if you decide you want to give as much as $5 a week, that'll give you access to our monthly bonus show, The Game Shark Show, uh, where uh, we basically give you uh, an extra... Uh, episode of Legend of Retro every month where we cover an assortment of topics and stuff and uh, the best part is is at you know the five dollar tier you're also getting all the rest of the shows from Gamezilla Media uh, all of their bonus content as well so definitely uh, check that out absolutely any uh, final thoughts on anything we talked about today Craig I no my my final thought is is you know (coughs) it's it's an amazing game. No, not Harley's humongous adventure, but, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, the dragon's trap, uh, definitely look into that, especially the, uh, uh, you know, the, the remaster, which I, I honestly think might be the best type of remaster ever done. You know, the, we the need fact more that, remasters like it. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to switch to that old style at the drop of a hat is just utterly amazing. That is so cool to me. Uh, that blew my mind when I first saw that. Uh, what about you, Xander? I almost said shut up and jam, but uh, <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> That's what happens when we record these back to back. But it still stands, you know? You can talk about video games all you want, but when it comes, push comes to shove, you got to just shut up and jam. I, I told you, man, works anytime, <laughs> any conversation. Any anything you need to, to to say, you can tell someone to shut up and jam, and it applies. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, jump on Discord and let us know what you thought. Tell us all the things I got wrong, not Craig, because Craig's great. And uh, yeah, other than that, we will catch you next time. Shut, shut up, up and jam. jam.